Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I want to get back to the situation with Canada's media landscape. We talked a bit about this earlier, both in terms of what's going on with C-18 and Meta and Google and the federal government, but also what's happening uh, on the newspaper front. Now, we did have a, a newspaper bailout from the government a few years ago, but it still seems like it's a pretty precarious situation for many Canadian newspapers. So we learned this week that Post Media, the company that owns uh, the National Post, the Edmonton Journal, Calgary Herald, Calgary Sun, Edmonton Sun, etc., uh, Post Media is looking at a merger with the company that owns the Toronto Star. And so if that goes ahead, that would mean, other than the Globe and Mail, almost all English language newspapers outside of Quebec would be under the umbrella of one single company. So the Prime Minister, when asked about it yesterday, said, you know, it's something the uh, Competition Bureau is going to look at, which I'm sure they will. But at the same time, I mean, you know, it's, it's not just about looking at these two companies becoming one. There's also that question, well, what if these two companies become zero? Like, there is kind of that existential uh, threat that some of these companies are facing. Uh, so joining us to talk about what it all means, uh, pleased to welcome to the program here this morning, Christopher Waddell, Professor Emeritus at the School of Journalism and Communication at Carleton University, a longtime observer uh, of all of this. Uh, Professor Waddell, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Rob. It feels like we've been here before. We saw the merger uh, some years ago between Post Media and the company that owned the Sun newspaper. So a little bit of deja vu, although I guess things have maybe changed a little bit since then. Your thoughts on this, first of all? Well, we have been here before. It's been going on for about almost a decade now, which is really the the decline in advertising revenue that newspapers uh, are receiving. That's been going on for quite a while. It used to be that about 80% of a newspaper's revenue came from advertising. It's much, much lower than that now. Some of it's a case of advertising going to different places or thinking that can be done in different ways. And some of it is a, a lot of the advertising has gone to Facebook and Google uh, on their on their sites. The result of which is news organizations have been cutting back uh, because they don't have the revenue. What they end up doing is they cut back by laying off reporters and editors. Uh, that tends to mean that there's fewer stories in in news media and and often it means fewer local stories uh, when there are fewer lo- when there are fewer stories and when there are fewer local stories the uh, audience starts to say well where's the stuff that i used to enjoy that was in my local local newspaper and what we see then is audiences decide that they're going to stop subscribing and stop paying uh, and that means that of course circulation falls and that's been going on for quite a while there's lots of other places where people go to get news or think or, or get various forms of news mm-hmm. when circulation falls um advertisers that remain with the, the news organization say well i don't want to pay as much for advertising because you're not reaching as many people as you used to reach so they say we'll cut back on what will give you an advertising revenue which means the news organizations cut back and reporters again there's fewer stories again the audience gets more and more unhappy with what's left and it's a it's a circle a cycle that's been going on for quite a while now this the the merger uh, post media has been affected most dramatically by this, uh, and it's not clear that the merger that they're talking about, if it goes ahead, will actually resolve that situation and and put them back in a situation where they could be hiring more journalists and doing more stories and giving audiences more of what audiences are interested in. 
Yeah, it's interesting because Post Media has its own issues. I mean, all of those factors have, have affected the company, but it seems like even in an atmosphere where, you know, the, the news media is is in a stronger position, that company would still have issues. I mean, they, they have tremendous debt. I, I think there's been some very valid criticism of how that company has been run. Uh, so I, I, part of the fear, I think, here with this deal is that, you know, Post Media is just going to drag down, you know, its partner here. They'll just drag down that company, too. Well, I, I, the one thing to note in all this is that um, uh, what used to be called Torstar and was bought by Nordstar includes the Toronto Star, a series of uh, of urban papers in southern, mostly in southern Ontario, the Kitchener Waterloo Record, the Hamilton Spectator, and some others, and also includes about 60 uh, community papers. Uh, and what would be moving to a joint company with uh, with Post Media if this were to happen would be the community papers and those papers outside Toronto. But the Toronto Star would stay as a separate entity, and and that I think creates a possibility that the Star might be able to survive in a market as large as Toronto by being by continuing to persuade people to buy online subscriptions and and making up more of their revenue that they're losing from advertising with online subscriptions. So, it, it, but it's the everything else that's moving in with the post media, and um, the deal the deal that's been talked about. Again, we don't know the details, and we don't know whether it's actually going to happen. Would see a lot of the debt converted to equity, so that the people who hold the debt, which is a, a United States hedge fund, would in fact get shares in the bigger company. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that the company is going to stop losing money because it's been losing money pretty consistently over the last few years. Yeah. And that's where the problem lies, is that, that even if you, you get rid of that debt, if you can't make a profit, you can't stay in business for very long. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place. Like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I mean, the federal government has taken an active interest in all of this. And a few years ago, they did provide some financial assistance to newspapers. That doesn't really seem to have stopped the bleeding or made the problems go away. So to what extent, whether it be the Competition Bureau or the government itself, to what extent should they be interested or involved in, in all of this? Well, it, it, it's a problem in part. And the Competition Bureau, the issue the Competition Bureau faces, and the Competition Bureau is not well prepared to deal with an issue like this because the Competition Bureau looks at economic factors. And traditionally, when they've looked at media, they've looked at who controls the advertising market within a certain geographic area. So, for instance, if you had a a newspaper, uh, a radio station, and a television station in one community, uh, and they were all owned by the same organization, that would mean that that organization could, in, in effect, control the advertising price that anyone who wants to advertise would have to pay. And that's where competition gets into it. There, the, the competition, and but we're not in that world anymore. That's a world of of news media that we're geographically circumscribed. We're now in the world where news media is global. So there's lots more places where people can advertise, uh, and so it's much uh, much harder for 
for an individual company to control an advertising market within a geographic area. The Competition Bureau is not really equipped to deal with the issues of editorial content and 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 when is uh, when does one company control too much editorial content so that uh, so that news isn't really available to the public. And again, the issues changed there too because we're now dealing in in global media thanks to the internet. So so I I, I doubt very much we're going to see much from the Competition Bureau. Um, the federal government has thinks it's doing things through C eighteen, the bill that you talked about um, a few minutes ago with. with Facebook and Google perhaps paying for uh, uh, being forced into negotiating agreements with news organizations to actually compensate them for some of the advertising they've taken away. But that's far from clear that that's going to happen at the moment. The bill has been passed. Facebook and Google say if that's going to happen, they'll withdraw advertising from their sites. Uh, They'll withdraw news from their sites, I'm sorry, and we'll see whether that actually happens. If they withdraw the news, then, of course, there's nothing to pay the news media for. Uh, if they don't, there's still likely to be long and protracted negotiations. So I don't think anything's going to happen on that front very quickly. So, so the other side of it, though, is that there is a positive side to it in that there are news organizations that are doing well, that are small, that are starting up, uh, recent startups and are growing over the last five or six years. They're almost all online because nobody wants to pay the cost of paper and printing and distributing. Uh, and they tend to be more narrowly focused on one or two issues. Might be the environment and climate change. It might be sports. It might be uh, health. But what they're doing is because they have um, they focus more narrowly. Their reporters become more specialists in the fields that they're covering, yeah. and they tend to be able to do more in-depth stories and have a greater knowledge of the issues than the reporters left at mainstream news organizations who through all the cutbacks that have gone on, have lost most of their specialized reporters and are left with general assignment reporters that get thrown into whatever today's story might be. Uh, it could be climate change one day. It could be, uh, it could be um, uh, 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 a competition issue the next day. It could be something else the next day. And they don't have the ability, because of their lack of time uh, and the lack of uh, opportunity they have to do the research, to become experts in some of these areas. So... So the smaller news organizations, some of these new small startups are actually doing quite well and are starting to win some media awards and are also tra- uh, attracting enough money to make, to make, uh, to turn a profit. But it's not the same as the big news organizations that we've known that have tried to cover a little bit of everything. You know, it's interesting because I, I wonder if the Competition Bureau is going to look at this in, in more of an old-fashioned way, sort of looking at the newspaper sector as though that's separate from the rest of the media, that this means more consolidation in the newspaper industry or less competition between newspapers. But is that even a, a meaningful distinction today? It just seems like, you know, the way everything's been, you know, in, in the digital world now, that we're all just kind of competing with, with one another. Is that a meaningless distinction now? Exactly. I think it is a meaningless distinction. And it's also meaningless because... Um, if you, if you if you say let's say just as, a, as an example let's say that uh, that um, because of consolidation uh, through all this there's less local news being produced in a certain community because there's only one publication now when there used to be maybe three or four uh, but but so people's um, opportunity to get local news might be restricted but there's still lots of opportunity to get national news provincial news international news because of the internet and because of all the news that's available to us. And in fact, some of the news organizations' problem is the fact that there's much more choice now for audiences. Mm-hmm. So they don't have much of a captive, as much of a captive audience as they used to have. So, so on both the advertising side and on the editorial side, the definitions of competition and how the Competition Bureau would go about looking at it, I think are, are of a 
pre-internet era, an era where media was mostly geographically restricted to the surrounding area that you could drive or uh, or uh, deliver deliver papers to, or a radio signal or a television signal could get to. But of course, that's all changed now too. We'll see where this all goes from here. We'll leave it there for now. Uh, Christopher, appreciate your insight on all this. Thanks for joining us here this morning.